welcome to the Shushbox Podcast, a safe space for self-expression, healing, and empowerment. Hosted by me, Sunita, founder of Shushbox, the wellness platform supporting survivors of sexual trauma. Hello listeners and welcome back to the Shushbox Podcast. This week my guest is Dr. Heidi Brocky, a toxic relationship awareness and healing specialist. She has turned her past into her passion as she provides hope, healing and freedom to those whose lives have been affected by toxic relationships, emotional abuse and narcissistic behaviours. I hope you find this episode helpful and if you have any questions, please do email hello at shushbox.com. Welcome Dr. Heidi Brocky to the Shushbox podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy and honored to have you here joining us today. Uh, before we get into it, I thought it might be nice for the listeners um, for you to maybe give yourself a little introduction and then we can go into the topic of conversation today, which is toxic relationships and emotional abuse. Yes. Yeah, so my name is Dr. Heidi Brocky. As she said, most people know me as Dr. Heidi. Um, I always tease it's because I can't pick which last name I want. So I just leave it off. Um, but I, the first thing I always tell everybody is I am not a licensed mental health professional. I am a chiropractor acupuncturist by trade. I did 25 years in the, in healthcare, um, two years ago when I was just getting ready to switch over. And when the pandemic hit, it was perfect timing. And so I retired from healthcare and I actually do toxic relationship awareness and healing full-time now, which is kind of sad that it's so full-time, but as you know, it's, it's, there's a lot, there's a lot of people seeking the information. So um, how I got into this is by experience. So not by choice. Uh, I had a former uh, relationship, former marriage that I raised my daughters in that, of course, when I was in it, I, you don't know it when you're in it. Um, And then I ended up after 14 years, basically running away. Uh, when, when I ran away, I had been divorced for two years already. And this is one of the aspects that I really drive home in my teaching. It's, it made it very apparent to me. It's not about the relationship. It's about the control because Mm -hmm. I was already divorced and nothing changed for two years. So when I, when I left, I signed my business over. I basically left him all the property and I left my kids because the only way I knew I could get out and get myself back to where I needed to be, to be the mother that they needed. I had no choice, but to leave them at first. And it was during that time that I rebuilt a chiropractic office four hours South of where I was. And I just really started looking back into that relationship and it, it really was, it just happened. And I think that this was the path I was always supposed to be on. I think it was, here, you're going to do this chiropractic thing while I train you for your real job. And so, you know, I would have never thought I'd be doing it, but I love it. And it's, you know, it's very satisfying. And the, the, the people that come to me are all in the same spot I was. So it makes my past make sense to be able to do this. Thank you. Yeah, I think sometimes when you get called into these kind of areas, when it is based off personal experience, sometimes it's like, Hey, wait, how did I, how did I end up doing this? But because you're connecting it back to your experience, it kind of gives you a bit of purpose, I guess, a feeling of, okay, I understand why that happened. And now I'm going to turn that into something positive to kind of help other people. Yeah. And you know, when I, when I started, well, you don't talk about it when you're in it. I mean, any, and your listeners for sure know, we don't talk about it because 
it makes things worse and we're afraid. And, um, and then when I left, of course, I had moved and was trying to reestablish. Well, I didn't talk about it for four or five years after that either, because how do I explain that I'm a mom that left her kids? Mm. You know, that just puts a whole different, you know, light on it. And then I, I realized when I was in it, all I was paying attention to was what he was saying and what he was doing. You know, if he says this, I'm going to do this. And if he does this, I'm going to do this because I, I, I was trained to stay, to try and stay one step ahead so that I could keep myself and my girls safe. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was always in and in anticipation. And when I was able to take the time to, to really look at the relationship, then it, it became very clear to me what was going on. But when you're in it, it, it's such a cloud that it's, it's difficult. So, so I really just try to be the person that I needed when I was going through it. So people don't have to do it the same way I did. Yeah, that's a really good way to look at it. I mean, when you was in the relationship, then if we just talk a little bit kind of about the toxicness, is that even a word? The toxicness of the relationship, (laughs) the toxicity, the toxicness. Um, But would you say kind of, did it, did you feel it at the start of the relationship or was it something that kind of happened as the relationship evolved? Well, no, every relationship is different. I felt it at the very beginning. Mm. Okay. But I was raised in a little Christian community. My grandpa was a preacher. My dad was a prison chaplain. I went to a Christian school, you know, everybody went to the same church. And so we saw the same people for the first 18 years of my life. And so I think when I moved and, and I left for grad school, I had this perception that everybody in the world was, was like the safe little community that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. You know, now, now with my experience, I look back in the community and it's, it's really not what I perceived it as. I mean, there's issues there too. I just didn't know it. And so I really came out thinking, why would there be anybody who didn't want what was best for me? Why would there be people that, that would step into relationships for, you know, for their own good? And so I, I was so far removed from even thinking that, that I did feel that something was wrong. Mm. from the very, very beginning. I felt uncomfortable. I didn't really want to go out with them. Um, It was one of those kind of talked me into the first date and okay, fine. Well then talk me into the second date. And I went into healthcare because I'm one of the kind of caring, giving, loving, supportive, I'll fix it, you know, rah, rah. And I didn't want to be the bad person. I didn't want to hurt his feelings. And about that fast, I was married with two kids and, and there I was. You know, so I always felt like something was wrong, but I also always felt like it was something that I needed to do to fix it. Mm. Well, if I was just more this way, or if I didn't overreact, or if I just would be more like this, or if I would just work harder. And so, you know, I kept changing myself to become what I thought the relationship needed for the relationship to be better. And eventually I completely, completely lost my, you know, lost myself. Logically, and, and, and your listeners, and I don't know that much about you, so you might be, you know, with this too. Logically, I could look at that relationship and go, yeah, I don't think, I don't think this is healthy for me, but because I am an emotionally driven person, you know, I wouldn't have gone into healthcare if my, if my fulfillment wouldn't come from helping people. So logically I could say, I don't think this relationship is, is healthy for me, but as soon as emotions got involved, it would cloud my logic. Mm -hmm. Yes, but maybe he had a bad day and maybe, you know, I've invested so much time and now I have kids and I don't want to break up the family. And so all this emotion made it, made me go, I can keep doing it. It's not really that bad. If I'll, I'll just keep working harder, 
you know, and, and that's, that's really what made me look at the toxic relationship. And, and before we go any further, I do want to kind of give you the definition of how I use toxic. Mm -hmm. Um, Toxic is not a diagnosis. I don't worry about diagnoses because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if someone has a diagnosis or not. It doesn't make the relationship any healthier for you. And I'm not into diagnosing that. I can diagnose your neck and fix your neck if you want me to, but you know, and so I, I chose the word toxic because it's just an adjective that's used to describe any relationship in the status that it's in that that's unhealthy for you physically, mentally, or emotionally. And I think, I think people that are seeking to know if the relationship is toxic are looking for a definition of a toxic relationship. And what we don't realize is we are the ones that get to decide whether it's healthy for us or not, because what may be okay for one person may not be healthy for you at all. So when we talk about the toxic relationship, it's not necessarily that this person has all these qualities. It's the goals in the relationship between the two parties are different, making the relationship toxic for one or the other. Yeah, that's a really good way to explain actually, because there's a lot of labels that get thrown around. And I think bringing it back to actually how you're feeling in a relationship. So that defines what toxicity can be, feel like, right? It's how, how it actually shapes and makes you feel emotionally. So what somebody might see from the outside as, oh, that's not a toxic relationship. They might not actually see how it's affecting you internally. Yeah. And, you know, I always hesitate to go on podcasts that are 30 minutes because because there's so much information that I want to give on this. And there's so much foundation that needs to be presented in order for somebody to really understand their, you know, their situation. Um, Because in a toxic relationship, normally the person that you see in public is completely different than the person you see in private. Mm -hmm. And, and there's, there's reasons for that. And, and I mentioned before that the goals of the, the two parties in the relationship are different. And usually the goal of the toxic person is things like, They are looking for security in themselves within relationships. You and I, and and only because of the work that you do, I'm assuming, you and I step into relationships for partnership and companionship and intimacy and emotional support. And, you know, even friendships are that way. You know, we don't step into relationships for, for things other than that. But the toxic person enters into relationships for security in themselves. Mm. And, and they use, they use the other person in the relationship to get that by, you know, controlling them or feeling power over them or keeping their attention or, and, and everybody in their life is in their life to supply them with security. And, and I guess the reason I go back to this is because you said the public person versus the private person, Mm. you're always going to see the public person wanting attention and admiration. So they're going to be the one who does anything for anybody. And then behind closed doors, the people that are closest to them are giving them a feeling of power and control you know, so, but there's, I mean, there's so, again, there's so much foundation to this type of thing, but, but the toxic, the other thing about toxic is toxic can be anything from the bully on the playground all the way up to the the relationships that you see in the news. But what drives them is the same thing. It's they're seeking security in themselves through the use of other people in their life. My experience as a survivor of trauma is that I 
was in a lot of toxic relationships, as in I had a lot of toxic friendships. I had a, to- a lot of toxic relationships. And I don't know, actually, when I'm thinking about it now, I could have been the toxic person then because I was in survival mode. And I think I was in a lot of to- toxic cycles. I think all the connections that I was having at that time in my life were just felt to me toxic, but I couldn't really get out of them or see them for what they were because I had really low self worth or okay. view, view of myself right. right so then that was kind of um reflected in the relationships that I was having but but if you think about it if you were a person that needed to feel control power get attention and admiration and you needed somebody in your life to supply you with that what type of personality would you go after the kind caring supportive fixer conflict avoider peacekeeper mm-hmm. right so, so if you've had repetitive toxic relationships in your life, like you just mentioned, mm-hmm. your personality is actually a target because your personality is going to supply them with those type of things because you're going to give and you're going to continue to give. But then once you've been in a couple, it becomes normal to you. So you don't know, you don't know anything different anymore. You just carry that on through the next, you know, the next relationship and which does make it, un, you know, make you an unhealthy person in a relationship also. Yeah, it's that overgiving that you were mentioning earlier. So for me, I was a complete overgiver with, uh, you'd always wanted to help, (laughs) always wanted to give, 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 give to the point that there was nothing left for myself. And then, you know, these types of toxic relationships or connections kind of would just take that energy and then I'd have no energy left for myself. When you're in a relationship, it's very hard. I know you were saying after, was it 14 years, you hit that point where you were like, right, okay, no, this is toxic. Is there any advice you would give to somebody who might feel like they're in a relationship? They don't know whether to define it as toxic. I mean, they're just not feeling great in this relationship. Do you have any advice for anybody who's like looking to break away from that? So you have to remember that being in a toxic relationship is like, is like walking into a room that stinks. The longer you stay in the room, the smell goes away, right? It's not because the room doesn't stink. It's because your body has desensitized you to that smell. Yeah. So the longer you stay in these relationships, the more desensitized you become. So, so what at one day felt abnormal to you mm-hmm. two years later, it's normal behavior because it happens all the time. So then the mistreatment isn't that big a deal because you're so used to it. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the other things that I think people need to remember is the toxic personality is emotionally abusive. And in order to understand that, we have to understand what the definition of emotional abuse is. It's, it's when somebody uses your emotions to get the feeling of control. So if they can do or say something that makes you happy, that makes you sad, that makes you feel guilty, that makes you angry, those are all emotions. But if all they have to do is criticize you to make you upset, they know they can control how you feel by what they say. Mm. And, and pretty soon what, what we do is we look to them for our emotions. And, and if you were in a toxic relationship, you know how it was when they would get up and they were in a good mood, you know, and they give you a hug and tell you to have a good day at work. What kind of day did you have that day? A good day, mm. right? But then on the next day they get up and they're crabby and they stepped on a Lego and you didn't load the dishwasher right and, and they don't say have a good day. What kind of day do you have that day? Probably a very anxious day, okay? That is, that is an indication that we are basing our emotions off of how they are acting, which makes us, emotionally dependent on them. We're always looking to them to see how we're supposed to be feeling, Mm. depending on what they're doing or what they're saying. 
So we give up a lot of ourselves and we question ourselves. And you already mentioned your self-confidence was down because we're always seeking approval and we're always seeking acceptance. So we change ourselves and then we're like, is that good enough? Is that good enough? And it's never going to be good enough because when we're trying to change ourselves, where's our attention? Mm-hmm. It's on them because we want accepted. So as soon as you change whatever it is that they said you wanted, they wanted changed, they're going to change the goals or or change the rules or move the goalposts because they're constantly wanting you to, to have attention on them, not on yourself. And they take a lot of our decision-making ability away. You know, you're you're going to question all your decisions. And if you think back, everybody's situation is different, but you go to the beauty shop and and you go to get your hair trimmed. And while you're there, you decide, well, I've kind of been wearing the same bad, messy bun for eight months, so I'm going to cut it all off. So you get your hair cut and you go back thinking all confident because you have a style and the toxic personality says, you you know, I only like long hair or I wish you wouldn't have cut your hair, right? So now the next time you go to get your hair cut, you don't say, how does Heidi want to wear her hair? I say, how do I think he wants me to wear my hair? So, so the decisions that you should be making on your own, we start giving up to them. And if we can't make small decisions, we're never going to make the big decision to leave because we will question ourselves and question our, our choices all the time. Definitely. I mean, it's not an easy thing. Like you say, the longer, just because of the time that you're in it, it just becomes more difficult because you can't see it. Or, you know, sometimes we get stuck in these, like you say, relationship situations for a long time, you know, survival mode or different types of scenarios. And it's not because not wanting to get out. Do you know what I mean? Did, did you feel like something came to you to get you to leave? No, I actually left six times. And I think, you know, the the thing we talked a little bit about that their goal is security mm. in themselves. The toxic personality has a really hard time putting enough into their own life to feel secure. Okay. We're like you and I, if our job is going well and we have a great group of friends and, and we've lost five pounds and we've been in the gym and, the things we put into our own life are the things that make us feel secure. Mm-hmm. Okay. The toxic person has to place people in their life mm. to supply them with those things. And then they use what we call the red flags or the 21 character traits or the, the traits of the toxic person on people to achieve those things. And those are things like criticisms and comparisons. And, you know, my biggest one, two of my biggest ones that kept me in that relationship was fear. Mm. He, he would instill fear in me. You know, he would threaten me. Or if you do this, I'm going to do that. Or if you don't do this, I'm going to do that. And so, so I was scared. Well, if you think if a person, if a person is trying to instill fear, what are they after? Well, they're after the feeling of power mm-hmm. and they're after the feeling of control, which makes them feel secure. But I was so fearful that I stayed because I could never predict what his reaction was going to be. And I could never be sure of what was going to happen if I did something against what he would approve of. So when I would leave, like I mentioned, I left, I left several times. Mm. I would get threats, you know, all of this stuff. He would exhaust me until I was just like, it is always easier to stay in what's familiar than to step into something that you don't know. Mm. So when all of this fear was coming in and I was frightened, Of course, he liked that because he felt secure, but I was so unsure it was easier for me to stay in what was familiar. So I would go back, you know, at least there, even if it was bad, because I learned how to survive within that, I felt safer in it than I felt out of it. 
Yeah, it's, it's difficult. I mean, there's a lot of control and manipulation as well that goes into those situations, isn't there, with them using, like you said, some of those re- those red flags or those tactics. It's almost like, would you say there are like certain red flags that people highlight within these areas? The, one of the simplest ones to explain is crossing your boundaries. Mm. Think of back in one of your relationships when you set a boundary. Okay, who is in control when you set a boundary? I mean, literally, I was talking about this with a friend. I didn't have boundaries. This is where I was. I, I wasn't. I didn't feel strong within myself. So I feel like my relationships were a little bit different in that sense of I wasn't secure. I wasn't secure it's, in myself. You might be surprised if you thought back far enough. You might have at one time set boundaries. Yeah. But when you set a boundary, you're taking control, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, you're not allowed to have control in this relationship. So they're always going to walk over your boundaries. Yes. Okay. By the time I left, I didn't have any boundaries either. Mm. I remember I had a friend tell me you have no boundaries and I got all offended and never talked to her again. Now, looking back, I'm like, well, she was totally right. Because <laughs> it's just, it's easier to avoid the conflict yes. than try and set a boundary and, and have conflict. You know, and and your your podcast does a lot with sexual trauma. Mm. And, and there's a lot of that type of thing that goes on in in relationships like this too. Because if you think about it, trying to set a boundary in the intimacy category and you've got somebody who wants to control well of course they're going to they're going to cross those boundaries because they want the feeling of power and control yeah no boundaries is a big one for sure like you know it's great to have personal boundaries and know what boundaries are but like you said there's so many people who can be in relationships or just be in life and not not honor or know how to set a boundary when you might have grown in a, you know, a situation in childhood that's just, you know, you've been a people pleaser or an overgiver. So you don't even know what boundaries are. It's like, oh, it's like, I'll just do whatever you want. It's, you know, your world rather than my world sometimes, which is an unhealthy cycle that I was in. But now I have learned boundaries and I think they're so important in relationships, like you said. Um, you know, one of the other things, a tactic that they use, which which was one that really, really took a toll on me is, is isolation. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have friends or if you have family or if you have hobbies or activities that really feed you emotionally, mm-hmm. you know, your support system, your best friends, going to the gym, you know, whatever hobbies you enjoy, if, if it's something that's going to feed you emotionally, they're going to make it difficult for you to see those people or do those activities yeah. because- they want you dependent on them and they want your attention on them. So they're going to make it difficult for you to see your family by saying things like, you know, your family doesn't like me or we don't have money to go see your family or, you know, you shouldn't be so close to your family now that you're with me. I should be your family. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to get you to cut them off because it's way easier for you to have conflict with those people or quit your hobbies than to have conflict with them every time you want to see them. And in the 12 years I was married, I think I saw my family four times wow. because, because he wanted to be able to have the control and my family was very emotionally supportive of me. Mm-hmm. So I basically ended up cutting my family out and I was very, very lonely. I mean, it's almost, I think you're, what it sounds like is also like gaslighting, right? as well is a term I think that gets brought up quite a lot of these types of conversations when people are gas- gaslighting the situation like that. Mm-hmm. Well, and gaslighting, what gaslighting is, is it's when, when they convince you to question your reality or question your sanity, mm-hmm. you know, by saying, that's not what I said. And, and you yeah. know that that's what they said, or my case, confront them about cheating. 
I wasn't cheating. Yeah, I have emails, I have facts, I have all, well, I don't know where you got those, but that's not mine. Mm-hmm. So, so you know you have the facts and you're solid in it and they have an explanation or a reason why. And then it makes us go, oh, I guess maybe we were overreacting. You know, maybe yeah. it just was a friend. When the whole time we were exactly right. Yeah. I mean, I read on your website as well. I think you touched on it a little bit there, but the term em- emotional abuse fatigue. Yeah. So, so really what that is, and, and I, tr- I, I still treat this, I treat it in my practice. It's actually adrenal fatigue. Mm-hmm. The adrenal system in your body is the body that helps you adapt to stress. And when you live in highly stressful environments, like an abusive relationship, mm-hmm. the, the stress system of your body cannot maintain that for a long period of time. And so what it does is it starts trying to decide, I'm explaining this very simply, obviously, mm-hmm. it start, it has to decide what's important and what's not. And so it starts quitting doing certain things that aren't as important as having a fight with your toxic person. And so it creates, it creates a ton of health issues, fatigue being the number one complaint. It actually branches out to all the systems of the body. And I, I do still work with patients on that. And I have an entire adrenal fatigue recovery program that I, I do with people. Yeah, no, I think that's really important to mention. So I know that now, obviously, with the experiences that you've had, you like you just said there, mentioned that you're working with different clients kind of on helping them to identify toxic relationships and maybe heal from them. So what would the process look like if somebody um, kind of found your website and wanted to connect with what you were doing? Okay, so the, the first thing I will tell people is you you have to understand the situation before you're going to be able to make the decision that you need to to make for yourself. I mean, people can tell you to leave, people can tell you to get out of it, but until you understand it and you're ready, you're not going to do it. So, So I do a ton of education on why the toxic person does what they do. We already know what they do. They do this and they do that and they say this and they say that, but you have to understand the world from their perspective. So I teach how to see what motivates their behavior because until you do that, you will not, we will not have the power to get out. And it's, I say it's funny, but funny is not the word I want to use, but people that after I, after they get this, people will say, you've got to be kidding me. This is so easy, but we keep looking at them through our eyes, thinking that someday they're going to wake up and act like us. And, and in reality, they're wired completely different than us for, so for you to make a decision that's best for you, you have to understand what motivates that. Mm-hmm. So I do a ton of education on what motivates the toxic behavior, because like you and I, we, if we are targets, we need to know how to spot these behaviors in the future. Cause they're not the last toxic people we're going to attract. Yeah. <laughs> so we need to be able to understand how that personality works and then, yeah, thanks, but no, thanks. I'm going to keep you in the third circle from my inner circle. We always want to be friends with everybody. We want everybody to like us, but yeah. you have to get, you have to get to a place where if you never see these people again, so what? And if they don't yeah. like you, that's okay. And so I I do a lot of working with that. But then the other thing that I really realized, I had no idea who I was by the time I left. You know, I have, as you can see, I have almost black hair. When I left, I was almost blonde because three weeks after I married him, he told me he always wanted to marry a blonde. So he kept wanting highlights, highlights, highlights. And and I, I am very happy. I am very positive. I am very loud. I'm very extroverted. And when I left, I looked at the ground. I never laughed. I never talked. I, I mean, I walked with my head down and I had blonde hair. And so the other huge thing I work with people on is 
in these relationships, we develop our identity based on who we're with. We are, I was no longer Heidi. I was his wife and I was the girl's mom. And I was the doctor when I was in the office. I had to figure out who I was in a room by myself when nobody was telling me what hat to wear. So I, I take my clients through all of the self-discovery phase. You know, I had a 53-year-old client come to me, ended up being her mother. That was her toxic person. She was married. She had a great husband. She had a great family. Um, but her mom still controlled a lot. And at 53, I asked her what her favorite color was. And she told me she didn't know. Mm. Her mom had picked her prom dresses. Her mom had picked her house colors. Her mom had picked her wedding colors. She had no idea what her favorite color was because her mom was always telling her what color to, to do. So through that whole self-discovery process, we start digging into, you know, what makes you happy? What do you want in your life? Because if somebody asked me what made me happy after I got out of that, I would have never had an answer. And, and you know it, when somebody says, where do you want to go to eat? What do we say? I don't now care. I would say, now I would say, but back then, I had so many friendships and now I'm reflecting back, like, cause I've pretty much in the last three or four years been on a bit of a, a life-changing journey, I would say. And I've changed a lot of my habits. I've worked really hard on myself and I've changed my circles. But I remember at that time I was exactly the same. I didn't have an identity in my mm -hmm. friendships, my romantic relationships. I'd always be going with the flow or yeah. If somebody asked me where I'd want to eat, oh, wherever you want to go. Oh, you, you're into paddleboarding I'll do paddleboarding I'm right, exactly. not into these things exactly. you want to do football I am playing football <laughs> so yep. this is actually from a young age I was always a people pleaser always going along with everybody else's and, reality. and I, I always have to say when I hear the term people pleaser it's got a bad connotation but if you were made as a people pleaser that's actually a good thing we just have to be more stringent on where we distribute our good gift. Absolutely. Yeah. But just be conscious of energy. So now I see it as, um, cause people pleasing, I mean, in the work that we talk about sometimes it's also called fawning, right? When you don't want to have that conflict, you don't want to, to, so you kind of keep it neutral, keep things very neutral. So from a young age, I'd always been that way when I had a lot of, um, things happening around me, I ended up being almost, you could say the peacekeeper, uh, and then that in my later relationships did become toxic in the sense that I didn't have boundaries. I didn't have an identity. So, yeah, I think people pleaser is good. It means that we're givers, but just giving to the right source of supply at the right time and making sure you're not giving to the point that you don't have anything left for yourself. Yep. And you're probably like me. I always make a joke that that the first half of my life, I invited everybody in my inner circle. You know, come in. Yes, I'll take care of you. I'll be right here, whatever. And I yeah. said, now I spent the last 14 years trying to kick them out. <laughs> and, you know, and, and it's because I was the same. I was just, I didn't realize that I, that I didn't have to do that all the time, but because my personality was that it just, yeah. I avoided conflict. You know, I don't, and just now I'm getting, I'm getting good at conflict situations. You know, the tough conversations that I used to avoid, they don't even bother me. I have them and I go about my day without even thinking about them. But remember the first tough conversation you had and then all day you were like, oh, I have a pain in my stomach and I shouldn't have said that. And I, yeah. you know, now I'm finally to where, and, and I'm like you, I've divorced a lot of friends. Hmm. I spent you know? a lot of time alone with plants <laughs> and <laughs> nature. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have grown a lot of succulents myself over the last few years. Um, but I think, you know, sometimes when you have been in that, in a giving, uh, 
energy frequency you know when you do bring it back to yourself like you say it gives you that time to reflect on who you are what you want out of life and then you can it, it actually opens up for new relationships new connections you know as you are now so I think a lot of people in life I mean I'm sure you must get it with some of your clients it can seem very like a difficult uh, concept to let go of friends but I think you know some of the friendships I had before were brilliant you know really great at that time but they expired and I think a lot of people in their lives or situations think that people are meant to be with you throughout the journey but I just don't think it is actually that way sometimes people come in to teach lessons and then they fall off um, and that's kind of the way it goes it ebbs and it flows it doesn't have to be that you cut them out it's just oh I'm sorry my schedule's full that day or you know you we have problems saying no too so there's there's ways you can say no without saying no but then when you get good at saying no it doesn't doesn't bother you anymore yeah so I mean that's great so then you're working with the with the kind of clients to help them identify to feel re-empowered I guess would you say Mm -hmm. yes and 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 again I I work I work with a lot of different aspects because I have people that are just starting to research and don't know what toxic is that they feel like something's something's wrong I work with those I actually help people I, I write escape plans for people. I help people if they have to, you know, run away. I help them. So I, I do a lot of divorce coaching through the yeah. divorce process because they're they're still going to be toxic through the divorce process. It's not like all of a sudden, ta-da, they're going to be a great co-parent. They're, mm-hmm. they're going to still be who they are. Um, but if, if we do have listeners who are feeling like there's something, but they're not sure, there's something on my website, which is coachingwithdrheidi.com called the Toxicity Profile Analysis. Yes, and I was going to ask is, you the TPA. <laughs> TPA. And, and I wrote it for two different reasons. It's 106 questions, and I apologize about that, but it's just yes or no. And each one of those questions correlates to one of the 21 character traits. Mm-hmm. So we were talking about the 21 character traits are the things that they use on other people to get what they need. So just reading through those, there's going to be people that didn't realize that some of the stuff that they're living with every day, all day long is a toxic trait. So sometimes just taking the TPA gives you some validation that, oh, well, maybe I do need to look into this further. And then on the other aspect is I can see from the results I get how many yeses they answer in each one of the traits. So if they should decide to schedule a session with me, I already know what type of personality they're living with and what type of manipulations this person is using because you don't want to tell me a five-year story when you when you get on the phone. Um, and so so that helps me out. But for validation-wise, knowing that, oh, yeah, he calls me names every day, but I've got so used to it, I didn't think it was toxic anymore. And it just kind of brings you back to the reality of how you're being treated. So that's, that's actually a really good um, tool to use for validation. And I mean, I think it's what the title of your podcast as well. It's not, it's toxic. It's not normal. Is that right? It's not normal. It's It's not not normal. It's toxic. (laughs) The other way around. I I only started that podcast. I started it uh, four years ago now because when, when I decided to talk about it, um, I had not talked about it and I needed to learn to talk about it. So I thought I'm just going to start a podcast because I can't see my audience and um, it's been four years and it's in the top 5%. And it, I mean, just like you, you would have never thought that there's this many people looking for the information, but um, yeah, it's not normal. It's Todd. It's toxic. It's on all the major platforms, just like yours is. 
Yeah, so I mean, I guess that ties into the TPA. Like a lot of people might not, when they're taking this uh, questionnaire that you have on the website, they might not see those behaviours as toxic. But then when you're having it in a form in front of you and thinking, actually, mm-hmm. yeah, that doesn't make me feel good. Or actually, yes, he does. they do do that. So, yep. yeah, I mean, a lot of these things when you're in the situation or in the relationships can seem normal. But I think having that zooming out almost sometimes of the situation and having an external point of view to help you see Mm-hmm. it's it is toxic it's not normal yep and then you know I work with people privately I'm redoing the website so there will be a group thing coming up soon but uh when I work with people privately you know we do a call once a week like coaches do but then they're able to to be in contact with me between calls so that if something blows up at 9 30 at night or they're getting a message from a co-parent and they don't have to respond because what what I have to teach them to do is these people are seeking for you to supply them with the things they need. So I need to teach you how to stop giving them what they need. And a lot of that is how you reply, how you interact with them, you know, the things you say, the way you say it. Um, so I, so I basically teach you how you, how you interact with these people. And um, I love it. And I'm sure that you love what you're doing now too, because it makes, we said this before we started recording, it makes your past make sense. Just to kind of wrap things up there, I mean, you mentioned a few ways that people can get in touch there. How could somebody, if they were looking to work with you, what is the best route for them to, to kind of reach out? So so the best, well, they can reach out to me, just message me, um, Coaching with Dr. Heidi as a Facebook. I do have a support group, a private support group uh, online. It's called Strength Within. Uh, it's very positive. We do not spend our time complaining and bashing the toxic person. It's very encouraging. And we do a lot of forward motion in there. Um, but taking the TPA and booking an initial session with me so that I can get to know a little bit more about your situation and then deciding what the best route to go from there is. Is there anything that you want to leave as like a message for survivors listening? It can be anything. Um, uh, two things. You are not going to leave or remove yourself until you're ready. So find the support systems or the support coach or the, the therapist that, that will help you with the answers that you need to make that decision for yourself. And number two, in the healing process, rediscovering your identity is the absolute most important thing because healthy relationships are not two people dependent on each other. They are two independent people that work well together. And you want to be able to stand so strong in who you are that no matter what happens, you're going to be okay. So the most work you will do is is reestablishing your independence. And you'll probably agree with me. It's hard at times. You know, it's hard work, but it's way worth it once you get there. Thanks for listening. For more information, head to www.shushbox.com. We see you, we hear you, we believe you.